HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Laura Stanley. It's supposed to be spring here in Brooklyn today, but it sure doesn't feel that way. So we're going to talk about some delicious hot food prepared by two processors that are making headway in the school market with product lines that emphasize good things that we love on this show. All natural, clean labels sustainable production methods, kid and school kitchen friendly, and hands-on collaboration with K-12 clients. You need something, these folks pick up the phone, they visit, and they know who you are. Um, regular listeners will know that we did another episode along these lines last July, uh, which we called Have It Your Way through partnerships with nimble, small, and mid-sized processors. Um, today's conversations will pick up where we left off on that segment. I encourage you to give that one a listen as well if you have not already. Um, before we dig in, a, a quick establishing shot. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about scratch cooking on Inside School Food. We have observed how popular it's becoming. We celebrate the work of districts that are embracing it. We get really excited when we see it tied to increased farm-to-school purchasing. And, and we're not going to stop doing that, but you know, let's be real here. The, the vast majority of districts will continue to require some foods prepared and packaged off-site. And that's not a bad thing when those foods are just as authentic and fresh-tasting as what your staff might prepare from scratch. The trouble is they're mostly not, not at the prices schools can afford to pay. So how do you access the better stuff, you know, products that are at the level of what you might find on the shelves or in the freezers at Whole Foods, for instance, you know, without breaking your budget. Um, so with us today are two guests to help 
us tackle this question. Um, Rod Friesen is Director of Sales and Marketing at Truett Family Foods in Salem, Oregon. After station break, I'll be speaking with Tony Antonelli of Green Bellies, a newcomer to the K-12 market who is going to tell us about whole muscle chicken meatballs that don't bounce, a kid-approved cheese sauce with no nasties in it, and lots more. Um, so, hi, Rod. Good morning, Laura. Thank you for having me on your show today. Uh, my pleasure. Um, so, listeners are about to hear uh, just a little piece of a huge conversation that you and I have been having on and off for nearly five years. Uh, Truett has long been a leader in bringing top-shelf clean processed foods into schools. It's it's tough work, as I've heard from you, and not a puzzle you've entirely solved yet. Um, but before we get into that, maybe we should just, you know, tell us a little bit about Truett overall. Sure. Uh, just for a little bit of background for some of your listeners, uh, Truett Brothers has been in operation for in Salem, Oregon, for about 42 years. And in June of 2013, the company evolved into two separate entities. Uh, Truett Brothers uh, develops co-packed products for uh, a lot of consumer packaged goods companies. Mm-hmm. And Truett Family Foods, which was the new company that spun off here, uh, develops branded products for consumers, uh, for uh, commercial and non-commercial use. And um, uh, we just have deep historical roots and farm-to-school initiatives in Oregon and across the country. And uh, we are just really looking forward to bringing more products uh, to the market under our brand. Um, we've been in business uh, as a new company for two years, even though we've been in, uh, around for 42 years. And everything we do is shelf-stable. We don't do any refrigerated or frozen products. Mm-hmm. Um, our products come in cans, both in food service size, retail size. We also do uh, single-serve portion cups, and we also have some products in uh, food service size pouches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have approximately 70 to 75 employees, and uh, last year's sales were roughly around $11 million. Right. So that would characterize you as a mid-size processor? Yeah, uh, I would say we're probably on the small to mid-size mm-hmm. processor. Yeah, more in that category. Right, right. And so what are the food service products that are currently going to your K-12 customers? Uh, the current products that we have going right now are our line of beans, and those are canned uh, pinto, kidney, garbanzo, navy, and black beans, mm-hmm. uh, as well as we have a couple of pouch chilies. Both are vegetarian. Uh, one is a what I'll call a spicier version, and one is a milder version. And then we also have a brand-new line of innovative uh, single-serve cups uh, that are being introduced uh, right now to uh, the K-12 market. Uh, One is a shelf-stable hummus, Mm -hmm. and the other is what we have coined as our dippers. Mm -hmm. They are a combination of Greek yogurt and white white bean puree. One is flavored with a ranch flavor, and the other is uh, flavored with a Fiesta chili lime. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Chili, hummus, beans, other companies are selling these kinds of things to schools as well. But, you know, school customers see something special in Truett. Um, you know, for a company your size, you have an unusually strong commitment to sustainable food production that goes way back. Can you, can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, when we first... Um, uh Going way back in our history, we've been in the K through 12 business for quite some time, and we uh, produced a lot of green beans and pears that went to the school food service market. We don't do those products anymore, and we now just focus on the legume items. Mm-hmm. Um, back in those days, we did a lot of private label uh, products that were um, our identity and what uh, work we put into our products were kind of lost behind a private label and uh, uh, really didn't um, 
provide much value, we thought, to the customer, the end user. Over the course of the years, and as we've evolved into a new company here, everything we do is branded, and uh, we've started to call out the differences that we've been making in our food as it's been sold into the K-12 market. Uh, Peter Truitt, our founder, um, has always said, when we get a raw ingredient from the field, all we can do is screw it up. And what, he, and what he means by that is that when it comes out of the field and it comes to us and it's, and it's in its freshest status, in its fre- freshest form, um, it's our responsibility to treat that product as responsibly as possible and do as little as possible uh, to be able to get it ready to go to the K-12 through market in this instance uh, without a lot of extras that don't need to be in there. And, and uh, examples of that would be our canned uh, kidney pinto black garbanzo and navy beans. Uh, mm-hmm. we, um, they're a low-sodium item. We uh, use sea salt, and uh, we add no synthetic or artificial coloring or firming agents. So basically, in a can of our beans, you're getting just uh, the beans, water, and a little bit of salt for seasoning. Right, and and the same goes for your shelf stable chili, which when, you know when you described to me how it worked, that was really amazing to me because these are it's essentially the same as a canned product except it comes in a big bag. It can be held at room temperature. Is it? Do I have that right? Is it room temperature or does it get refrigerated? No, it can be held at room uh, room temperature. And the neat thing about <clears throat> uh, both the pouch product, the cup products, and um, the canned products is that um, we're using heat as our preservative. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's just a natural preservation method, so we don't need those artificial preservatives to uh, make our food shelf-stable, and therefore we get a much cleaner uh, ingredient statement, and we're just continually looking at our products on what we can do uh, to reduce uh, and eliminate any ingredients that don't need to be in that product that add value and provide a healthy meal to kids. Right. And, and I know that you have, um, you know, at least for some of your products, uh, made an effort to trace back to the source. You know who your growers are. That's part of the, the, the Truett, you know, mission, right? Well, yes, it is. And we've, we did that with uh, specifically with our canned beans when we got started with those. We uh, work with a great grower out of uh, central Washington up in Quincy, and we've had a longstanding relationship with him, and he provides us with all of our canned beans. And much like a wine label out here in the Northwest and a lot of regions, um, they call out the growing region of the grapes where those products come from. And mm-hmm. we thought, you know, we're um, taking a lot of effort to be able to um, source a, a great product uh, with a great pedigree, and uh, we wanted to pay tribute to where those beans were coming from and said, why not put that on our label? And so on our all of our canned goods uh, that we sell, we uh, denote where those beans come from, so it is traceable all the way back to the grower. You go to our website, then you can click on links to those growers to really find out their farming methods, their processing methods, and harvesting methods. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but these attributes, you know, the traceability, the um, you know, the disallowing of industrial additives, it does cost more to process food that way, and of course. School buyers are notoriously, you know, they're working with very tight budgets. How, you know, but they're still, they're still looking for your products. How do they, they make it work? And, and, you know, in your experience, why are, they, why are they reaching out to you? Well, I think they're reaching out to us because we've had a uh, longstanding commitment to the uh, K-12 market. It wasn't always that way back 15, 20 years ago when uh, a lot of products, there wasn't a big emphasis on, uh, farm to school and farm and, and uh, the initiatives of getting more local products and more fresh products, and um, it was more of a, a commodity-driven process. But over the last, um, I would say, 
10 years, there's been a huge push to drive uh, better products into the marketplace. And it's just been, and, and we saw this at a very viable market. And uh, we liked it because it took products that were um, otherwise commodity. And we were able to really drive some value that was benefiting uh, the school uh, food service director and what mm-hmm. they were putting on their menu and the fact that they could actually promote these attributes that were in our products to be able to communicate that to their parents and their students to say, hey, school food service is changing. We're getting better ingredients. We're getting great food on the plates of kids, and this is ways we're doing it. So we're, we feel that uh, taking those extra steps, providing cleaner products, and being able to get those uh, attributes and that information to the school uh, directors to be able to communicate to their parents and their students is helping raise the value of food in K-12. Right. So that's the benefit to them. But for Truett, you know, K-12 being such an incredibly tough market, the low profit margins, what's in it for you? What's in it for us really is um, it's... It's, it's who we are as, as, as a company. It's, it's a market that's important to us, and it's uh, really we see it as a more growing and stable market um, because it does take place, for the most part, 12 months out of the year. Obviously, uh, the traditional school year has a lot more volume uh, that moves through uh, the menu than during the summer program, mm-hmm. but really it is a 12-month business when you're looking at K-12, through so it is very stable. Mm-hmm. And with the child nutrition guideline changes and, and uh Legumes now are on the school menu on a very regular basis. It's uh, it's a market we see as a stable market, and it's uh, and we feel that uh, our our initiatives to be able to provide clean, healthy products uh, fits hand in hand with where the school food service is going. Right. You, you mentioned the nutrition rules, Rod, and I, I'm wondering what you think about you know because obviously the, the districts that are taking the extra trouble and extra expense to buy. Truett products, um, they're kind of progressive. It, you know, do you think like if if the nutrition rules are rolled back this year, um, that that's going to affect um, the growth of your school business? Um, I guess that's a loaded question. Then it all depends <laughs> on, on what areas of uh, of that uh, program get rolled back. Right, um, right. Hopefully, I know one of the one of the big things that really affected affects us right now is just the uh, uh, requirement to have beans on the menu uh, much more often, and um, that really does fit with who we are as a company, and mm-hmm. uh, really does impact a lot of the products that we sell to uh, schools. Right, right. So as you know, we're we're really interested in inside school food on how processors work directly with school districts. Um, it's a kind of like how do you get what you want sort of thing. And I know that, like for instance, with your 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 chili, your flagship product, that emerged out of a relationship with a school district. Do you want to tell us how that a little about that? Sure. When we first got started, uh, we're obviously based here in Salem, Oregon, just about an hour south of Portland, Oregon. And <clears throat> Portland Public School District, and working with uh, Gita Sweeney and Christy Obink before her over the years, they were very progressive up in this area and really pushing to get uh, cleaner products, uh, more local products, and uh, really supporting local manufacturers and local ingredients and the local crops. Mm-hmm. And in conjunction with working with them, as well as a national um, daycare center, Kinder Care, uh, which is also based in Portland, Oregon, there was a real need for a uh, low-cost, um, really nutrition-packed product in our uh, vegetarian chili. And mm-hmm. so we started talking and looking at the products that we had, and they thought that, you know, kids would really like this. So 
we worked in collaboration with both Portland Public Schools and KinderCare as we developed these products. And we took a benchmark product that we had already in our inventory, and through sitting down with them and uh, ultimately having taste tests with kids, both in the daycare centers as well as at uh, various schools in the Portland area, we started to, to make changes to that product, saying, okay, we need to reduce the sodium to uh, a certain level to get uh, the sodium level down. Uh, it's a little too spicy for the age group kids that we're going to be serving, so we need to uh, tweak and alter the spice. So we made these various uh, changes in our production, knowing that we had uh, two significant customers that were very interested in committing to purchasing this product um, if we could um, develop a product that uh, met their needs. Mm -hmm. And part of this, when we worked this whole collaboration process, is, and it's an uh, inevitable question that's going to come up, is what does it cost? And so part of that is, is working uh, backwards from the cost, cost point of view and saying, okay, we need to be serving it for having it delivered to our district or to our distribution center for uh, X, uh, X cents an ounce. Mm -hmm. And so working backwards from that and looking at the changes they want to make up that product and that, uh, that finished product, we work hand-in-hand hand to make sure that the changes we make are obtainable for them from a cost standpoint when we end up at a finished product. So if all works well, we've got a great-tasting product that kids are going to love that meets the nutritional requirements of the school district, and we're hitting a price point that works with them. But you can't do that, and we can't arrive at that type of solution unless we're in direct communication with the districts and working with them, and they're sharing with us all the information we need to be able to move forward and make those changes to products. Right, right. And I have to say, I've tasted the chili. It's delicious. It's Thank not you. just for kids. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> um, so, so my next question is on behalf of all those districts that don't currently have access to your products because their distributor doesn't carry them or, or you know, maybe it's some other company's product that they want but can't get, you know, again, because the distributor doesn't carry them. You know, and let's say they're really determined. You know, what do they do first? It, it all starts with a little bit of research, and it depends on whether you have the, um, uh, the volume, whether you can purchase in large quantities or smaller quantities. But um, I would think that most manufacturers, most, pro most processors would welcome a call from a school district to, uh, to hear what their needs are if something isn't currently available and, um, and to have that conversation with them. A lot of times things uh, can be done to be able to provide them with the product they need. Sometimes it's just it isn't going to work out, but it, mm -hmm. you won't know until you have that conversation. And uh, I don't think we're completely unique in that we love to hear from school districts and their needs and to see if we can uh, help fulfill their needs with our products or develop a product knowing that there's a critical mass behind it. But mm -hmm. I just reach them to do the research to find out who in their area um, or you know, what, what products they have needs for and who in their area might be able to help them out mm -hmm. to uh, get what they need for their menu. Right. You told me that um, there are a few cases of districts that are not getting them getting your products through their distributor, but because they're somewhat, they're, they're within your region in the Pacific Northwest, they're able to get direct delivery that necessar wouldn't necessarily be possible for a district in New Jersey, right? Right. Um, but in that case, you know, I, I, I was thinking, you know, what if you're a New Jersey school district and you want canned local Jersey tomatoes, your distributor doesn't carry them, but because it's a local product, you know, maybe there's an independent arrangement possible. So that's just something to think about. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, I, I, th I think um, 
you know, say a district is successful, they take all this trouble to source your product and they spend extra for it because they believe in it. Um, you, you said that you feel that, you know, they are on the whole communicating this to their students and parents and, and hopefully that's helping to bring up participation. Is Truett able to help them with that kind of promotion? Uh, in, in, in many cases, we can. Uh, we've worked with, uh, let's see, we've worked with, uh, using Portland again as an example just to begin with, we've worked with them uh, in the way they promote their, their menu that they have throughout the year is through a yearly calendar that they put out. Mm-hmm. And so we help sponsor that calendar to be able to draw attention to our products that are on there and how they fit into their menu. And it's a way that we can uh, help support them, get that message out to parents, and those kids take that, those calendars home or they get sent to the parents in the mail. It's mm-hmm. there on the board, and it really does show the local support of the products uh, that are being served in the district. With uh, San Diego Unified, we've worked with Fred Espinosa down there mm-hmm. real well and real closely, and we've provided him uh, information that he can put on his farm-to-school website that draws a link directly to our growers uh, to show where those products' uh, ingredients are coming from, and it tells the whole sustainability story about our, our, our farmers and, and how they again, grow and harvest their beans, and there's a story there. We've also helped them uh, a little bit with some marketing materials that they've been able to put on their uh, uh, point of sale where uh, they use a different chili of ours than mm-hmm. the one I was making reference to with Portland Public Schools, mm-hmm. but uh, they use a different chili. We were able to uh, create a flyer for them to uh, supplement their marketing efforts that they were doing in-house. Great. And uh, so there's, there's, there's uh, it depends on the scale. Again, you know, we try to keep our costs as low as possible since we know that uh, the K-12 market is a, is a price-sensitive business and mm-hmm. that uh, they only have so much money to spend on food. So <clears throat> we don't build a lot of extra money in there for marketing materials, but we do have them available. And many times we can find something that we can do that will add value to the school and help draw attention to the products that they uh, purchase from us. Right, right. Just another great example of ways that you can collaborate. So, Rod, it's it's been so great having you come on and talk about all this today and really great sharing some of our many um, conversations with my audience on Inside School Foods. So thank you so much. Um, I'm Laura Stanley, and I've been talking about better processed foods for the K-12 market with Rod Friesen, who is Director of Sales and Marketing for Truett Family Foods. After station break, a school newcomer from San Diego called Green Bellies. They're doing some really creative work, so please stay with us. on today is Lazy LA by Odetta Hartman. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. 
To learn more about us, go to cane5.com. Welcome back to Inside School Food. Today's episode is a continuation of a segment we did last summer about small and mid-sized food processors that are offering something different for schools, values-driven procurement and manufacturing, and more one-on-one engagement with customers. We heard from two the last time. Today, we bring you two more. The fourth is Green Bellies, based in San Diego. Uh, Green Bellies partners with select co-packers in the West Coast in the manufacture of a line of clean-label prepared foods for children for breakfast, lunch, and snacks. Uh, The company is run by a dynamic mother-daughter team, Tony Antonellis and Nicole Derrick, both of them uh, accomplished businesswomen. Um, For many years, Tony specialized in corporate strategic planning and organizational redesign, but she's always had a passion for cooking healthy food, and now she is indulging it in this new venture. Welcome, Tony. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show, Laura. How are you? I'm good. And I should add that Nicole wears the R&D chef's hat in the company, right? She certainly does, and I don't get in the way of that. <laughs> okay. um, so to get us started, and tell by us... the way, I just have to say, yeah. um, we are huge fans of Rod's company and their products. They're terrific. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm pretty sure he feels the same way about you. <laughs> um, so to, to get us started, just tell us a little bit more about Green Bellies. You, you're really pretty new, and you've hit the ground running with an interesting business model. We, we sure are, and we sure did. Um, the company is four years old, and, um, and basically my daughter and I, my daughter also having a, a business background, decided that we wanted to do something that made a difference. Um, and having lost family members to food-related illnesses, we felt really passionate about improving the quality of food provided to school kids. So we set out um, probably about six years ago, um, and I should say Nicole did the lion's share of work here, developing formulas that were you know, completely clean-labeled formulas that we thought would be appealing to the K-12 market. And then I moved to California four years ago thinking this would be the very best place for us to start uh, the production. Um, We have a complete line of products uh, ranging from sauces to what I'm now going to coin as our no-bounce meatball. Thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, that's a wonderful, we need need to put that on our our, our name for meatball. Um, And all of our products are made here in California, sourced here and and produced here, um, which has been very important to the California uh, school market. And you're already serving quite a few districts, aren't you? We are. We're, we're pretty much through um, all of Southern California and now just getting uh, the attention of a lot of schools in Northern California. Um, and we've recently just brought on a senior vice president of development, a gentleman by the name of Ryan Molnar, um, who will be um, initiating that, that effort. So we're, we're in quite a few school districts. It's, right. been, it's been wonderful. Our school districts have been our biggest supporters. Um, they've been our great co-creators in helping us figure out the next formulas to bring to market. So, you know, when you talk about collaboration, that's sort of the, the linchpin for us in terms of what comes next in our product line. Mm-hmm. You, you've told me that your product line is best described as, I quote you here, familiar, flavorful, and funny. What do you mean by that? <laughs> Um, what we learned, um, and we learned this kind of through trial and error, is that children really want things that are familiar to them. When they're in the lunch line, they're going to pick the things um, that, that they're familiar with, um, that they've had a, a good taste experience with. They're not, they're not in the, the mode to sort of experiment when they have 20 minutes to eat their lunch. 
so um, we, we learned very early on that the foods that we're producing for children to get them to participate, which is, of course, as important as the meeting clean foods, um, is that they have to be familiar. And then, of course, once they're familiar and they actually take the product in the school lunch line, they have to like the way they taste. So mm-hmm. they have to you know, be tasteful and, and delicious. Um, and we think that everything should have an element of humor to it. So um, Nicole's very creative in naming our products. Kids seem to love the when the names have a little bit of a kick to them. So, you know, having fun with it. We love – hello? Yep, still here. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, I'm not sure where you lost me, but, but what I was saying is that we really love food and we love the experience of eating food, mm-hmm. and we want our, our customers, the students, to have that same experience. Right. So what are some funny names? You said you, said you use funny names. Oh, gosh. Now you're going to chuggable cheese sauce, the hopping jalapeno cheese sauce, um, the heavenly honey mustard, uh, which has now been renamed by our school site, a couple of our school sites, as the awesome sauce. Um, So the children will do the students that we serve will will actually take our names and tell us how to market things, which is kind of funny. Yeah, so that's great. And and I should add that another unusual aspect of your business model is your dual emphasis on children's meal in retail food settings and schools, there's there's a, a cafe in the zoo at San Diego that carries Actually, the products. It's a children's museum, yes. Okay. Oh, um, ch- sorry, children's we were, museum. We were delighted. We were uh, asked by the San Diego's Children's Museum uh, when they heard about Green Bellies and the kinds of food that we created, if we would create a cafe for them, um, and um, and so we said yes, and we did, and. We ironically we, we produce or we, we deliver to the cafe the same foods that get delivered to schools. What's interesting about the difference in the two environments is that we find that children in the cafe environment are a little bit more experimental. And I attribute that to maybe they have more time in making their decisions so they can ask our staff at the cafe, you know, what is that product? It's a quinoa popper. You know, it looks mm-hmm. like a mac and cheese popper. You know, what's in it? What does it taste like? And so they have a little bit more interaction because they, the time allows that. Um, there's also not the peer pressure. They're there making an independent decision. Mm-hmm. So we see what children Children would gravitate to, um, you know, if they if they weren't in a, a school environment. So it's a wonderful um, incubator for us, if you will, for uh, rolling out new products. We see what works for children and what doesn't, um, and that helps us, you know, be informed about what we bring to market next. Yeah, very neat. So, so I know there's a very strong emphasis, as you said, on on clean label or what we call clean label, natural. You know. Everyone's got a different idea about what that means. Do you have a working definition, or can you just talk about what that means to Greenbelt? No, we we actually have a very uh, straightforward working definition. Mm-hmm. In fact, Nicole has on all of our formulations and product specs um, a a blurb that basically says all of our products must be free of white sugar, white flour, harmful additives, harmful preservatives, artificial coloring, artificial flavoring, modified food starches, conventional food starches, um, uh, fillers, hydrogenated oils, high fructose corn syrup, and corn syrup. Wow. So that is that is that is written on all of our product specs. So you talked earlier about the fact that we co-pack with um, specialty uh, manufacturers here in California. That is true, and they are all um, wonderfully supportive of our mission and understand that this is our criteria for um, for manufacturing product. So when we are for, in the process of formulating, um, all of our R and D people that we collaborate with at the co-packer level will not come to Nicole with a ingredient that it contains any of those things right. um, and and very much like what Truett does I mean we start with um, what is this uh, we want to bring a, a product to market what's the price point that works 
at the school level, and how do we develop a product that meets this criteria and, and gets to that price point. So as you can well imagine, it's a, it's a complicated process mm-hmm. um, that, that really requires a lot of um, research and investigation on what's available in the marketplace um, that we can use that fulfills our brand promise um, and gets to the price point that schools need. Right, right. So, you know, in looking at ingredients, let's take a close look at the cheese sauce in particular. I mean, like it or not, cheese sauce is de rigueur in many schools. Some districts say participation will drop if the kids don't see mac and cheese and nachos on the menu. And formulating a cheese sauce that meets all the new nutrition regs must have been a huge challenge for industry. But they did it. Um, And the most widely used version I won't name the company, but we all, who, we all know who they are, <laughs> has quite a few additives. I, I needed to actually look a few of them up. They include um, synthetic fats, industrial calcium salt, and a polysaccharide. I counted 20 ingredients in that recipe, and then I looked at yours, and there's just 10. You know, ha- So tell us about your cheese sauce. Well, I, you know, not to be cheeky, but our cheese sauce actually has cheese in it. Um, so uh, that's um, basically where uh, Nicole started, and she would be able to, to explain this much better than I, but I'll give it a shot. Um, she starts with a, a genuine cheese sauce and then looks at the nutritionals of it and says, well, there's no way we want to feed that to kids. The sat fat's too high, the sodium's too high. So how do we, how do we cut back on the sat fat? So she experimented with a number of products um, and found a non-GMO um, isolated soy protein. The important note there is that the, the soy protein that we use is extracted um, using a process making it hexane-free, mm-hmm. and hexane is, the, is, the, is what conventional isolated soy protein um, is made with and it's, or the process that it's made with, and that's what makes it so questionable mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> from a nutrition point of view. So she worked very closely with our R&D um, co- person at our co-packer, and they, they actually found very clean ingredients, as you know from looking at our, our, our ingredient list, mm-hmm. um, to make the, the cheese sauce. It was interesting because once the cheese sauce was formulated and we were all very happy with the flavor and the consistency and the holding power and you know everything that we needed to, to have it be, we brought it out to students, and because it began with a white cheddar cheese, it was a white sauce. And kids said, well, cheese sauce isn't that color, cheese sauce is orange. <laughs> and because that's what they're familiar with, right? right. So we yeah. went, okay, well, you know, in keeping with our, our mission to make things familiar to kids that are actually healthy, we brought it back to the lab and we added an odo to it, which of course colored it orange mm-hmm. um, without changing the nutritional profile and brought it back to kids and they said, oh, now that's a great cheese sauce. <laughs> that's so funny. So, they eat with their eyes first. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, so you've told me that you love doing business with districts that want to do more scratch cooking and not less, which is kind of <laughs> surprising given Absolutely. that you make prepared foods. Can you explain that? Sure. Um, you know, our our mission is to make sure kids get the, the best foods possible. And we love when we walk into a school and they tell us that they're doing more scratch cooking. And then the conversation really becomes collaborative because, as you mentioned, um, I think earlier when you were talking to Rod, no, no school can do it all. Um, there's either cost... Um, uh, you know, it, it's prohibitive from a cost perspective. They don't have enough labor. All of their kitchens can't accommodate scratch cooking. So they have so many challenges that we start the conversation with, what, what, what can you do? And what we found, and this really happened the second year we were in business, is because we have such a collaborative sales model, if you will, when we asked schools what they can do, we were driven 
by those answers to become more of a component-based uh, manufacturer, so a vendor, if you will. So what I mean by that is that we started looking at, um, well, uh, I'll use our honey mustard dressing for an example. Mm-hmm. If a school would have a very difficult time putting together a honey mustard dressing that was shelf-stable and, and could be multi-purposed. That's something we could provide for them and they could use in a myriad of ways. So um, Fred's going to get a lot of PR today. Fred at San Diego Unified tasted mm-hmm. our honey mustard dressing, prepared on a chicken salad, and said, that's fantastic. Can we just have the honey mustard dressing? So we said, sure. So it started out as a product that they were just going to use, um, and they dubbed the name Awesome Sauce, by the way. They were going to use it on their salad bar. And they, we gave them marketing materials, and they put it on their salad bar. And then some very creative kitchen ladies who were getting uh, Mary's chicken drums um, said, God, this would be a fantastic glaze. So they started glazing it, their chicken with it. And then somebody else said, well, this would be awesome in our carrot salad. And they started using it in their carrot salad. And then somebody else said it would be fantastic as a dipping sauce. So they use it as a dipping sauce. So they have one sauce that they can use four or five different ways. Um, and we have been so impressed by the ideas that have come out of the school kitchens that we've actually started creating creating um, uh, sort of menu ideas mm-hmm. um, that we share with all of our other customers. We have one customer who couldn't, couldn't, get rid, get, couldn't get a kid to eat sweet potatoes, just tried every way and decided, I think I'll put our Green Bellies chili on the sweet potatoes, mm-hmm. and kids ate the sweet potatoes. So I, we would never have thought of using chili on sweet potatoes, no. but they did, and it worked. So, um, so we share that information with all of our school customers, and it helps them figure out, you know, well, oh, we have the capacity to to cook drumsticks, but you know, we don't have the capacity to make a sauce from scratch. Right. That's, so that's one of the nice things about doing business with the school market is that that kind of sharing is welcome. They're not competing with each other. If so that works for them, and it works for you. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is not something you see across uh, other industries very frequently. Right. And it was one of the most wonderful things we found about this industry. Right, right. So, uh, Tony, I'd like to finish with the same question I asked Rod about your perspective on um, CNR 2015. I mean, if, if the um, nutrition standards that were put into place um, in 2010 are rolled back this year, do you think that will impact demand from your, food, your uh, school food service customers? You know, I, I actually think that regardless of how the nutritionals change, and you know that's always um, a, a, a moving target, mm-hmm. that the, the desire that we're seeing in the marketplace for cleaner labels um, and for <clears throat> and for um, healthier um, items is, is not going to change. I think that that demand is just going to continue to grow. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's driven by a bunch of things. I mean, obviously, um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, political forces driving it, but there's, you know, parents have now become much more aware of, you know, what's in uh, commodity food products mm-hmm. and, and um, sub-ingredients and are demanding healthier foods. But ironically, children are also demanding it. Um, I was at a school site um, two weeks ago, and we were doing a product taste test, and I had six, sixth graders come up to me and ask me if they could see the nutrition label. Wow. <laughs> and I was thrilled. I'm I shocked. would be I mean, too. really startled, but, but thrilled. And um, so I gave them a whole packet of our nutritionals, and they, they scoured through them. So I think that, that the awareness that's been, um, that's been made at the, at the parent-student level and the awareness that has already been created at the, at the food director level will continue to, um, to help our business grow. Um, and it's our job, you know, as a company to make sure that, that we're 
filling the needs that they have, which is, you know, obviously why we are so interested in collaboration and co-creating. Right. Well, I I really appreciate your hopeful perspective, Tony, something we need to hear right now. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for joining us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having us. Right. So we've been visiting with Tony Antonelli's of Green Bellies, an innovative newcomer to this uh, school food market. Uh, Today's episode of Inside School Food has been a continuation of our July 2014 conversation about the production and procurement of values-driven processed foods for K-12 food service. You'll find a link to the original episode on today's show page um, at InsideSchoolFood.com, as well as links to both Green Bellies and Truett Family Foods. I should add that both episodes are also available at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And while we're talking about links, are you following my Inside School Food news feed on Twitter? It's really good. Um, Inside School Food is on Facebook as well. I'm Laura Stanley, and I hope you will join us on one or both. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.